I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. Okay, so I've been doing a lot of fun interviews. That continues today. So I have Graham Hopkins with us. Hi, Graham. Hey, Mark. Okay, so I, I'll start by asking you the question that I ask all of my guests. How did you start playing Magic? Ooh, started playing Magic. That was a long time ago. Um, I believe it was, uh, I want to say it was late 1993. Um, I had some friends that went to this uh, this math and science private school that uh, they started hanging out with them one day. They started talking about this you know crazy card game called Magic. Um, so I think a couple of days later, I walked down to my local store, which was really just kind of a sports card store, which had some games, right? Um, and they had a box of uh, unlimited starter decks. And so I bought a few of those, brought them back to my friends, handed them out. Uh, we all opened them up. We kind of played the entire weekend. And, like, that was the hook, right? Okay, so I that's... That, I got that amazing crawl worm <laughs> that was obviously the rare, like, the best thing I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> Okay, so this is like 94, 95. 94 probably was unlimited, right? Um, I'm not sure when that came out. I think okay. it was like late 93, early 94. Yeah, yeah. Unlimited came yeah. out end of 93, beginning of 94. So that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, you've been at about this Christmas a long time. time. I want to say, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you played Magic for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Did you play Magic straight up until the great, the first Great Designer Search? Not necessarily. Um, <clears throat> I played it quite a bit for a number of years until I uh, went off to college a few years later. Um, and surprisingly enough, I i mean, I'm a little antisocial, so I didn't really find a bunch of friends that played Magic, so I kind of took a little bit of a break there. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, it was actually Magic Online that got me back into playing Magic. Um, I saw an ad for it in like 2000 or something like that. Um, helped beta test it a little bit. Um, but yeah, that I, I remember coming back and seeing cards like Spirit Monger at the time that just made my jaw drop. <laughs> like, this is this is not quite the magic I remember. It's uh, really made a lot of leaps since then. And so, I mean, I dove back into it pretty heavily there and have been playing ever since from that. <laughs> okay, so what got you to apply for the, the very first Great Designer Search? Oh my goodness. So... <laughs> I, I, I was I was one of these guys who I mean I, I was already for years I was making my own magic sets like you know by myself right at home um, not for reels necessarily but I mean I was making full sets I actually programmed up some tools of my own because I didn't know that there were some that existed for creating magic content um, would print them out on, on sticker sheets you know cut out all the stickers stick them on basic lands and commons play test them. Um, so I, I had already been doing that for a number of years. And so when I, in, I want to say in 2006, when I saw that your article saying, Hey, we're doing this great designer search, it was just the strangest feeling. I just saw that and I'm like, Oh, I've been waiting for this. (laughs) Here we go. It's, it's time to do it. (laughs) Um, I can do this. No problem. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit. So what was it like? So, um, the great designer search. So you have to write essays, right? You, you wrote like 3000 words of essays. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was a multiple choice test. Yep. Uh, and then there was a design test where you had to design cards. What, what, what is your memory right. of all the tests? What's your memory of, of going through all that? Um, my memory of that was, uh, <laughs> staying up really late every night. Um, cause of course I had a, a day job too. Right. Um, 
so this is sort of my second job of uh, <clears throat> just kind of going over it and over it and over it again. Um, the, the multiple question, actually the multiple question uh, or the multiple choice question test part, uh, I remember that being pretty like quick and simple. I was just like, oh, just kind of buzzed right through it. Um, mm-hmm. If my memory was correct, I think I was like just above the bar <laughs> of what was accepted for correct answers there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as like the essay and the design stuff, I certainly spent a lot of time on that. Um, in fact, that whole period, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but in my mind, it was at least three months. Um it was long nights every night. It was, it really was a second job. Um, but it was super fun. Like it wasn't grueling or anything <laughs> like that. It was just like, this is my second job. I love it. <laughs> okay. So what might may not know the very first great designer search originally was going to have 16 contestants. One dropped out of the last minute. So we actually had 15 contestants mm-hmm. and then, uh, there were still five ta- like it, the, the, it worked similarly to the other ones in that there were five different challenges, but we would knock out multiple people in, in, in each challenge. So, like, I think we knocked out, like, three people, then three people, then two people, then two people. Um, so what was the, what was that part of it like? What was the part of sort of – what's your memory? I know you late nights, but what was your memory of getting judged and having cuts um, and – it, it was certainly a – it was a very mixed bag, right? It was very stressful. Um, it was very – at both – difficult to hear all the you know hundreds of places i fell over like this is this is what you did wrong here this is what you did wrong here but at the same time i'm not sure if there's a period where i learned so much about something i was very interested in right um so it was really um eye-opening to be able to apply the actual um discipline of really making magic cards to like you know to what I had been doing and, and what's going through my head. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, the way it would work is we would send you all the judge comments and the new assignment was like on a Friday or something like something and, like that. And you, yeah. you, you had like the weekend to do it. You, you had, I think 48 hours roughly to uh, do each, each challenge. Um, and then I think we did it five weeks in a row. Like later on, we started spacing them apart. So like there was a week for you guys and then a week off. But you guys were like we like five weeks in a row, like every weekend for five weeks in a row. I think you guys had a challenge. It was um, intense, yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest memory? What was what, what your proudest memory of, of the whole GDS? Of, of do you remember? Um, I'm not. Sh- gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was. I guess my proudest memory is I had, I sort of had some aspirations of being a game designer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I've never really been tested. I mean, there was a period where I ran an online game for for many years, but Mm -hmm. um, it was a a different thing. It was a very small audience. Um, So I guess my biggest memory was sort of just feeling uh, just a sense of validation, I guess, of like, I've always thought I, I could do this to some extent. And it's, 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 a very good feeling to see that I'm not just getting shut down at every angle, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, the, the nuggets of like, of that I would get like some good feedback, some praise of like something, a cool design or something like that. It, it really, uh, really sunk in. And <laughs> okay. So if I remember correctly, so it was like 15, not to 12, not to nine, not to seven, not to five, not to three, and then three people. So you, Alexis Jansen and Ken Nagel, all got brought to Wizards. What was that like? 
Oh, that was that was a very interesting uh, couple of nights. I mean, it, it coincided with uh, the Wizards' holiday party, I believe. So, yeah. I mean, we kind of <laughs> came out and had a pretty... Oh, and it was also right after these really intense windstorms in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I came out, this first time I've ever been to Seattle, right? And I get out there and there's a tree on the road. <laughs> and I just, I, this major road, right? And I just thought that was so strange. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a windstorm of a day. And then at the end of the day, when I'm about ready to fall over, right? It's like, okay, now it's time to go party and dancing (laughs) um and so you know just kind of like turn it up a little bit uh (laughs) um so it was just a really crazy day um just filled with so much uh so many fun things and i mean seeing the office for the first time and just yeah it was just a a magical day really yeah so i think that day was first i gave you guys a tour of the building so you got to sort of see and right none of you had ever been there before Mm -hmm. um and then we did what we called the gauntlet where you had three one-hour interviews where there were three groups that would rotate between the three of you. So you mm-hmm. basically had three hours of interviews. Then I, th- I remember those interviews. And then we had lunch or something. Somewhere on there we had lunch. Uh, and then we had a live challenge. The final challenge was a live challenge where I gave mm-hmm. you guys all a challenge. You had one hour to do it. And then you guys plus a few of our knee members would like then review all the work at once and you would sort of talk about your stuff. And we had to pick the, be- the best of all the things that had been done. Um, we, were, mm-hmm. we were sort of looking at how you interacted with people. Uh, I, I assume you were aware of that. Um, yeah, that, um, was, that was a really fun moment there. Um, like th- that room, once we all got convened and looked at our design and we yeah. brought in the rest of R&D, we were all packed. I think it was the danger room, right? Yeah. So we were, there were just like 20 people packed in this r- tiny little room. Um, like with this and you guys were great with uh sort of playing the scenario of like it's the last minute we need to print this set right now we need to make the decision um yeah it was it was crazy and fun <laughs> yeah the the, the the basic premise and so is usually it's the premise i do with the final challenge is we have to change something at the last minute and this is the set we're making it's an actual magic set right like this card and this set had to be changed so like it has to fit all these criteria. We can't change collector numbers. Like, there's all these things you have to worry about to try to, in the last minute, fit it. And so it's really like a very specific design. Um, mm-hmm. And that has happened. Not quite as crazy, I think, as what we pitched you guys, but we have had some last minute changes. Um, okay, so, and then after that, right, it just so happened that we coincide that with our holiday party. And so we announced the winner at the holiday party. Yes. Um, and uh, and uh, so anyway, you you did not win. Alexis Jansen won, but uh, mm-hmm. you did get offered internship. So what happened there? I did. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, on the way over to the to the um, to the party, ran, I was Randy uh, Bueller gave me a ride over there, and I, he was already planting the seeds of of what I was going to be doing. We were talking a lot about uh, programming and games we like and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I was offered um, a position to help with some of uh, the digital initiatives that we were working on at the time, um, Mm -hmm. working on programming some of the games that we had, um, which we ended up doing for a number of years um, after that. So I I was sort of, my job at that point was um, do programming on these games we were working on, um, in addition to working on magic design, sort of like as the secondary um, Mm -hmm. job that I had and. yeah, the, just interesting things on all sides. So it's like hit all of my interests, right? It was it was almost perfect. I'm I was almost <laughs> happy that, that that I didn't win, right? <laughs> In a way. <laughs> so uh, you've worked on a bunch of sets. Right? So what, what? This a little memory of some magic sets you've worked on. So what? Uh... Um. Yeah, I've worked on quite a few. Um. 
I think, I mean, the, the first thing I ever did was actually on a development team, believe it or not, for Conflux. But uh, <laughs> I think that was sort of a last-minute addition there. Um, but, I mean, Zendikar, uh, Innistrad, Rise of the Eldrazi, um, there are a lot of really, uh, really interesting sets that, that matched up with my interest really early on. It was, it was really cool. Like the adventuring stuff and the horror. I, I love the horror side. Um, the Eldrazi with, you know crazy <laughs> tentacles everywhere uh yeah um yeah those were those are some of my favorites so so we'll, we'll talk through real quickly so let's talk about those three because those are pretty cool so mm-hmm. so zendikar so the story behind zendikar so I'll, I'll fill the audience in and then you can is um i had pitched for a while this idea of a land set and the the, the r&d wasn't really up on it so the challenge that i was given from bill bill rose was okay we'll give you i think it was three months to prove to prove the concept, and so I said to the team, "Okay, okay, guys, we have to prove that lands can work." And we just we were just making land design after land design. What was that like? The memory oh, of that? It was crazy. I mean, I think we went a little bit off the rails of like <laughs> things that we wouldn't necessarily do, and things we wouldn't do in certain colors and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we did. I have a lot of memories. I mean, that was the first design set I worked on. So I mean, just sort of. <laughs> crazy things all over the place that I wouldn't necessarily expect to see, but it's worth saying anyway, right? Because it brings up interesting ideas, interesting discussions. Yeah. I mean, you... at one point I remember like red was, you know, searching for lands and putting them into play and things like that. Okay. So then, uh, we got the okay to do the land set and then Doug came up with a cool idea of making an adventure world. Mm-hmm. So what's your memory of that, of, of turning into adventure world? Um, I think it, it, my memory was that it, it, it blended in really well because it kind of it gave um, it gave it a foundation that that people are um, very used to seeing of like you know in video games you see lots of adventures lots of exploring lands um, I kind of remember thinking of uh, other games that I would play at the time and how I could sort of implement those, that type of design into the cards we were making. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a great blend. Um, I remember when that started to come together, there was the sort of there was sort of a tension building in R and D of like I don't know if this set's gonna work, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember, yeah, once this adventure came in, it 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 really I could feel it sort of curve around like, oh yeah, yeah, this is good. <laughs> we're we're going going places now. <laughs> yeah, I think the interesting thing is when you say adventure world, people are like, oh that sounds fun. And we say lands that they're like, I don't get it. So <laughs> Yeah. The most boring part of magic, right? Lands. <laughs> so Okay, so let's talk about Innistrad a little bit. So um Innistrad's an interesting also where I had pitched the idea of doing a horror set for a while and it kept getting pushed back a little bit and finally I got the go ahead from Bill and um uh one of the interesting things about that set was it really was the first top down I had done really where it's like okay the whole set's going to be built on the flavor is going to determine everything we do um mm-hmm. what, what, so what was that like in Indestrad you remember that yeah i remember that a lot um that so i had certainly on very small scale like like maybe late at night, I, I just feel like doing a little magic design and I design like, you know, an Iron Man card or, or something like that, you know, a top down thing. But for the most part, that was not how I thought about magic cards. I, mm-hmm. I'm i I'm sort of more of a mechanical and like numbers based guy. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy who can sometimes might forget the cards names, right? Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, so coming at it from that angle, like made me think about 
about the cards in a very different way. And I felt like some of the best things I had made came out of that. Um, some of the best things a lot of people had made came out of that because it was just something we weren't used to doing and we hadn't really done before. I remember sitting in our meetings of going through everyone's lists of like, here's all the cool horror top down horror cards I've made and just continuously just going, wow, like, wow, this, this is, we can't make all of these. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite, your favorite card you made that ended up seeing print? I think my favorite card is probably evil twin. Um, one of the, one of the few cards I've made that just like from top to bottom got printed, like exactly as how it came out of my brain. Right. Um, just really trying to play on, you know, that, that idea of like the, the, the evil twin comes out and, and takes out the original and mm -hmm. assume, assumes the identity. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I really liked how that one came, came together. I was proud of that one. Okay. So last one, Rise of Drazi, uh, Brian Tinsman was the lead for that. Yes. Um, and Brian uh, has very bold ideas. Wow, that set was insane. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Brian was really excited uh, the idea of just giant these giant monsters. I know Brian is a, a big fan of uh, like Cthulhu and that that sort of style story. So <laughs> it was fun to do um, you know to do giant uh, horror mystical sort of creatures. Mm -hmm. So what was that set like? Uh, that yeah that <clears throat> that was quite possibly the most one of the most fun design sets i had been on um the mentality of that whole room i'm I'm trying to remember exactly who it was i know it was brian um i believe greg marks was in there i want to say um I, I think aaron was in there um was matt place on the design team um i'm not sure oh he might have led the development team he might have led the development team yeah um ryan miller i think was on that so it was just lots of a lot of like crazy um <laughs> crazy designers in a room i guess i want to say um and like sort of from the beginning the 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 dictate from brian was like hey there's no boundaries here this we're doing crazy things i want to do even crazier things um i, I want to take magic in a place that it really hasn't gone necessarily um so yeah that was probably the most like out there like outside of the box design team that I've necessarily been on. It was just chaos. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's talk. So you, let's talk a little bit about programming. Cause one of the things that I'm enjoying on these interviews is getting people to see a side of magic that don't normally see. So right. What do you do right now? What, what are your day, your day job right now? Uh, right now I work on, uh, the arena client. I do programming, um, Mostly on the front end, uh, client side. So what, when you say the front end for the audience, what does that um, mean? Yeah, sorry. So this is what you actually play with, right? So when you, when you, if you play arena, you open up the game, you, um, you're, you're building decks, you're joining events, um, you're, you know, viewing your collection, things like that. Um, you're playing duels against other people. Um, so I work on that actual app that, that you interact with. So just to give people a sense, how many, Designers, how many programmers and such are there on Arena? Like, how many people do that? Or um, do, do all the different programming, not just the front end? So, for, I mean, for all, on the programming side, there's... I would, I would say there's, a, um, on the order of, like, 20 to 30 that work directly on the app, and probably another, like, at least 15, I'd say, that work on more things like building... Uh, like building the app and deploying. Um, then, of course, you have the art. Um, you have 
like the support, um, player support, um, event design. There's lots of non-programming tasks, um, people working on it too. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly big project. Um, so, so the, the thing with programming is like the, the more you throw together, it's sort of in some ways, the more difficult it becomes. So it's, um, yeah, so there may not be quite as many programmers as one might expect, but there's still quite a few. So, let's get a little idea. So, let's say we're doing a brand new magic set. So, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just pick Ikoria, because that, that's the last sort of... I mean, we have the core set, but Ikoria is a little more of an example, and it's a complex set. Um, so, yes. we want to do Ikoria. So, we, we do our work. So, how do you guys start learning about new sets? What what what? How does that work on your end? Well, um these days um we're moving more and more towards uh working kind of early on with with studio with r&d studio x um so we have our gre team which is our games rules engine this is the this is the code that sort of runs the actual game and processes all the rules and make sure everything works um they will get together with uh some of the designers uh more early on to see what yeah, during, sort of problems are going to come up. This happens during vision design. So I, I meet with them mm-hmm. first during vision. So it's, it's during the mm-hmm. point where I'm working, I or my other people are working on the set. So very, very early is when we start meeting them for the first time. Good, good. Yeah. It's yeah. In the past that may have been not quite as uh, strict there, but yeah, we're, we're hoping to, I mean, at some point we may move to where like we just design the cards together, but yeah. Um, so very early on, we sort of cut, try to hammer out the potential problems that like, hey, this is going to be a real issue for Arena. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Or like, here's something Arena's good at. Maybe that can help out. Um, later on, as we start to get um, card files, uh, in-progress card files, um, we'll start running them through our, uh, our parser, right? So we... When it comes to actually programming the cards, a good amount of that we just kind of get for free these days. Um, we have some some code that can actually try to read the cards and figure out what it should be doing. Um, it doesn't always get it right, and it, 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 it gets some percentage of it close, right? So let's explain to the audience real quick what a parser is. So um, essentially there's a language to magic, and we've mm-hmm. taught the computer for all intents and purposes this language – and so anything it already knows, for example, let's say we make a, a simple card, like a French vanilla or something, you know, a, a creature with flying. Like, it goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. And every time we make a template, we teach it the template. So if you're just using all existing templates that we've used before, usually the parser goes, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know that. I know all the pieces to that. I can figure that out. Um mm-hmm. And, right, sometimes it kind of knows it. Like, it, it varies from completely knows it to kind of knows it to, like, I have no idea what you're asking me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so uh, most cards, I would say, at some point require some sort of uh, human uh, work, right? Um, but, I mean, if cards like Lightning Bolt comes through, I mean, it can just it can just spit out light, the rules for Lightning Bolt, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you get you get the parser, you figure out, and then so what happens then? What so now you have cards that the computer knows and cards the computer don't mm-hmm. doesn't know. So what what's that next step? Uh, the next step is we start doing a lot of playtesting. I mean, we do a lot of playtesting internally. Um, we'll have card sets come through and 
uh, we'll just we'll just run events on the on the second floor, right? To see like, hey, here's a here's a sealed event, here's a draft event, um, here's a an event with some pre-constructed decks we put together just because here's some cards we want to test. Um, and uh, usually at that point, most of the things are working. There will be some cards that you know just sort of hang the engine indefinitely because um, they're not quite there yet. Um, but at that point, we are ju- start really just looking at finding the issues and and uh, fixing any problematic cards. Yeah. So one of the things I find very fascinating is one of the things that we have to learn on the design side is where are there problems? Like what is hard to, to what is hard to for Arena to do or for Magic Online to do? Um, mm-hmm. And there's some weird things. Like there's a few things I'll share with the audience, and you can jump in here. Like one of the things is. Um, having mana have a particular function, like you can only use this mana to do this particular thing. Uh, I know it's hard, it's hard for computers to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the human brain is a pretty amazing computer and by comparison, computers, at least right now are, are pretty dumb. Um, so yeah, it's, it's certain things that might interact with the auto paying system for mana like you know arena has a system where it tries to detect what you should what you should be tapping to pay for your cars and things like that and so yeah things like that will can really throw it for a loop um another thing i know that's problematic is blocking more than one creature i know is very problematic for arena mm, yeah <laughs> there's of course you know <laughs> ui issues i guess i'd say not this not i wouldn't necessarily call it an issue but ui a different additional challenges that yeah. we have uh, in the digital world where humans can just swoop cards around on the table and just sort of invisibly see the connections, right? Whereas on a computer, it has to be not only usable, but very clear. And sometimes that gets very difficult and very complicated, right? Yeah, the, the, the two things to also remember, I guess, is one is some things are hard to program, meaning it's just difficult to make it do what we want to do. Uh, other things are, it can do it, it just would be annoying for the players. That, mm-hmm. like, one of the things we have to watch out for is, right, let, let's say you do something that's constantly triggering, that means you just, it's asking you all the time, do you want to do something? And if that thing is constant, it, you know, let, let's say we make something that you, in the gameplay, you only want to do it a tiny, tiny portion of the time, but it would be asking you constantly, that would get really annoying. So even though the computer can do it, it it's mm-hmm. a matter of, is that, would people want to do that? Not that it can't do it. Right, exactly. And, and they, We've implemented some things that go towards that. Um, like, for example, Arena has this full control mode where normally you're not in full control. Normally, Arena's kind of making a few assumptions for you. Like, hey, you probably don't want to stop before your draw step, that sort of thing. Um, or you, you might not want to do this trigger because the only thing it can hit is your opponent's creature. And why would you want to give your opponent's creature plus two plus two, right? Um, but you, but it, we've given you the option of always opting into this, like, no, slow down, stop. I, I want to make all the decisions. I want to make the decisions you wouldn't expect me to make. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we, so you guys play with it. You sort of, uh, make sure the things are working. Um, is there any other interaction? Like one of the things that I find interesting is, um, on your end of making magic, like what, what is something that you do near the end part that maybe people aren't aware that you're you're doing. Um, or I guess I should say, what's the end part? Right? The audience probably doesn't know since you know this is not a job they hear a lot about. So okay, so now you've play tested it. What's what's the next step? Um, well, I mean, 
the next step is we figure out um, there's all the like event design. So like how are we going to be interacting with this card? Just having them is one thing, right? But we might want to implement um, special events that showcase the new set or showcase new mechanics. Um, so there's there's a lot of work being done for um, on the design side of Arena, which is you know figuring out what we're going to be offering to the players. Um, especially currently in that we're lar- in, in many ways um, players a lot of players are moving to arena right now due to the challenges of face-to-face play and so there's been um, one thing we've been trying to stay on top of is keeping things interesting um, in the accelerated play that arena offers right so like the games are a lot easier to turn through on arena um, a lot of them can be quicker sometimes um, so we want to make sure we keep things sort of keep what we're offering as far as events rotating around to keep, um, play shaken up a little bit and interesting, right? Yeah. That's an interesting point you make, um, that tabletop and digital have different play patterns. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things about digital, right, is you can just burn through games much faster. You can, you can play a lot more at once. Right. And so what happens is, uh, there's concerns on digital about having more options available because, you know, once you do the same thing so many times, you want to do something different. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know one of the things we always talk about with you guys is, uh, is there ways we can work with you to help, you know, create more opportunities and more different ways to play and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the future, it's something that we've been ramping up. So it's something I know that uh, we want to have more, re- like a stronger relationship between arena and, and magic online and and um r&d so that we can help generate things that might even be you know um unique or or something that that is used differently online that it's used maybe in tabletop and such mm-hmm. yeah well said so anyway um we are wrapping up here i'm, I'm almost to work so is there any final <laughs> thoughts you want to say of your your time in magic or at wizards before we wrap up um, for today <clears throat> just just that i'm stunned by um how quickly and uh, f- uh, fun, or I, I don't know what the right word is there, but uh, there's so much work that goes into making a magic set that much more than I had ever thought. Just be, I was like, well, you design the cards and then someone paints the picture, right? Um, it, it's incredible how many, um, how much coordination uh, it is to make a set and to do that every three months or you know every couple of months it's just um it's very stunning and i've i felt very very lucky to to be able to uh be a part of that you know well it is fun having you around so I, i'm excited actually uh graham is on a, a design team right now that i'm working on so it's fun that's to, right it's fun to work with graham again uh so anyway i want to thank you for being with us but guys i'm at my desk so we all know what that means it means it's the end of my drive to work so instead of talking magic it's time for me to be making magic so i want to thank graham for being with us thank you graham Thank you, Mark. And guys, I will see all of you next time. Bye-bye.